Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Today, come on, I like your shirt. I'm so glad that, that come on, look them in the eye. No, that's awkward, don't do that. Um, <laughs> hey, we're glad that you are here and uh, you look good and we're excited about what God's gonna do today and we have a special treat for you. Wasn't, wasn't last weekend amazing? I just believe that so many lives were changed and, and uh, that some, some took that first step into a relationship with Jesus on Easter Sunday and some of us made the decision that, hey, we've been there, but we've made the decision that we're actually gonna follow after Jesus so that we can see the moments and seize the moments. And it was just a great weekend. And uh, this weekend, we have a very special treat with us. And uh, Doug and Jeannie Reed are sitting right over here to my left, your right. And they are all the way from Virginia. They flew in and we've been hanging out with them. And we just are so appreciative of how they pour into our church and how they pour into us um, as your pastors and and leaders. And uh, we just can't say enough good things about you. And listen, I believe, I want you to lean in because I believe this word today is a timely word. It is exactly what we need for this moment. I believe God's going to speak to your heart. So come on, will you put your hands together and will you help me welcome to the stage, Doug Reed. Hey, let's give it up for our leaders, our pastors. Don't you love these guys? Man. We are, we are so excited about what God's doing at Impact Church. We got to walk through your building. Anybody excited about the new building? Uh, it's just beautiful. I think you guys can uh, grow there and, and thrive there. And, and man, uh, I, I know you're going to miss the setup and tear down. And so you probably want to just keep doing that, you know, on a weekly basis. But, but uh, well, uh, man, it's, it's fun to be back with you guys. Awesome to have my wife with me. We, we've actually been traveling quite extensively. Uh, my speaking schedule's been really busy. The mission side is complicated because of COVID. Uh, how, how many believe, God, that we're going to get through all this? Amen? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting the, the vaccine and cards and whatever they need to make me, to let me travel. But uh, I do encourage you guys, if if there's uh, somebody out there that hasn't signed up for the missions trip, uh, one of the things we do, we we speak in conferences and churches all over the country, but I I also do church consulting and a number of other things, but we use all of that influence, it's almost like a funnel, we use all of that influence so that we might uh, do something for the poor and the broken. Proverbs 31.8 says that you should speak for those that can't speak for themselves and ensure justice for those that are being crushed. So how many of you know that if God gives you influence, you need to use that to help people that don't have any influence and and one of the things that we've always done uh we we go to you know many countries and many inner cities and indian reservations and all kinds of stuff but one of the things we've always done is to reach the area right around us and we have many contacts in kansas city because we lived there for 20 years and we still do inner city ministry there and work with some great ministries there but we moved our ministry to virginia 
And we're constantly driving past, you know, the poor and the impoverished. And so you guys are going to be one of three churches that are helping us to launch a whole new mission right around where we are. And we would love for you to come and be a part of that. Uh, You'll get to see some really historic areas of the country, as well as we'll probably go into D.C. on the day off and that kind of thing. Uh, But if you want to be a part of that, we would love for you to come and uh, and we'll you'll have dinner at my house and and uh, get to uh, get to hang out with us. So so we'd love for you to come. Uh, well, let's, let's dive into the word today. Everybody ready for the word? Uh, I, I, my voice is fighting me a little bit, so I'm going to go into kind of, I'm going to pull out the three wood a little bit, Pastor Gabe, and, and uh, go into a little lower gear here. But uh, I want to talk to you around uh, what I'm calling the miracle of provision. We're going to look at our mentality towards God's blessing. How, how many of you know that we've got to get our mind right, amen, uh, towards God and towards, towards his blessing? And I'm, I'm praying that God does a work in you today. You know, uh, back in 2019, I was working with some teams on the uh, Apache Nation Indian Reservation in Arizona and just saw God do many things, but I got to the end of the week and I wanted to take a little different route. It's about a four hour drive back to Phoenix where I was flying out and I had a rental car and I wanted to take a little different route. There's actually a route in the wintertime that you can go from snow all the way to desert environment. This was summer, but still beautiful. We went from the pine trees and all that into the desert and I just got into the, it was still mountainous, but it was a hundred degrees outside. I just got into the uh, desert part, and I looked down, and the uh, gas gauge on my rental car had been on, uh, the fl- flashing light that says you're empty had been on for I don't know how long. Anybody ever been there before? Like, like you know, I'm not only out of gas, but I don't know how long I've been out of gas, you know, and, and, and I'm just in the middle of nowhere, and it's and, uh, super hot outside, and I, you know, I started, I, I remember actually coasting, turning the car off, going down hills, you know, and just any thing I could do to, to, to make it to a gas station. And by the grace of God, I finally made it to one outside of Phoenix, uh, just before I'm sure I was, I, I was, I was on fumes. Uh, you know, that illustration is really, uh, how our lives are. Any, anybody ever feel like you're running on fumes today? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm always running out of something. God has blessed us financially, but anybody ever been there where there's just never enough money, right? Seems like you're always running out. Uh, anybody there on a mental side, like mental stamina or emotional stamina, probably had family in for Easter. Anybody run out of relational strength, you know, uh, kind of thing. It's like uh, family's really good, but thankfully they went home. And, and uh, uh, you know, there's never enough. There's never enough time. There's never enough of me to go around. Now, we are creatures of capacity. I I think God actually made us that way so that we might trust him. Now, I think for some that are here today, there could be, I'm not preaching on this, but there could be a reason for that. Maybe your tanks are empty because you've been giving your energy to things that don't deserve your energy. Do you know that when David was on his way to kill Goliath, that his older brother Eliab stepped in the way and tried to start a fight with him? Read the story closely. And and it actually says that David turned and walked away from Eliab. Why? Because his destiny was waiting for him on the field and you can't have enough energy to fight the giants if you're fighting with somebody that you're not even called to fight. Amen? And a lot of us, man, that's what we do. I I, I would just give you some advice in this area and I would say you need to be a sniper, not a sprayer. You know, a lot 
lot of you treat your life like you have endless ammunition, and you're just, you know, you're spraying at everything. I, I, I deer hunt every fall in Illinois, and when I go out deer hunting, I only take four or five bullets with me because I'm not going to shoot at everything that moves. I'm looking for the big one. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? you got you got to decide that only certain things get your energy. I, I would say it like this, that there is power in precision, and you have to be deadly accurate when choosing where to spend your energy. Now, while we are limited in every way, how many of us know today that our God is not, right? Those of you that are watching online, everybody give it up for the online audience. Man, we are so glad that you're watching and are a part of this, and I believe this word's for you, so, you know, turn up your computer screen, put on some pants, you know, you know, watch, watch real close. We, we, uh... <laughs> This word is for you as well. Well, our God is limitless in his power and in his supply. The Bible says in Psalm 147, verse 5, great is the majestic and mighty Lord. He is abundant. Everybody say abundant, limitless in his strength. God, God has limitless strength. So, so we know that God is without the capacity limitations that you and I have, that he has the ability to bless us and to provide for us beyond our comprehension. I'm so glad that God never gets nervous when he calls me to do something. He doesn't have to go and go, whoa, I better check with the accountant, you know, make sure we can afford that. God is limitless in his supply, amen? So it's not really God's capacity to bless you that is the issue. It is your capacity to receive it. You say, well, Pastor Doug, how do I hold that off? Well, we do it with our mentality. I call it a poverty mentality. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Man, I am blessed beyond belief. You ever heard that? Or you maybe said that out loud? Can I tell you that's really a falsehood? Because you will never be blessed beyond your belief. If you believe that you can't be blessed, guess what? According to your faith, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, we've got to start believing that God wants to bless us. Amen? So, so I want you to say this out loud with me. Say, God has what I need, and he wants to give it to me. <laughs> I, I, I do this with audiences all the time, and, and it's funny because we're always more ambitious on the first part, because we know that God has what we need, but it's that whole he wants to give it to me thing. I believe that God wants to bless your life. You are worthy of the blessing of God. I, I, I was in the back today, and I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm tired for some reason today and been traveling a lot, and I, I was just back there just repeating to myself, I'm God's child. I am called. I'm anointed. I know that God wants to bless me in this coming service. I know he wants to give me strength, amen, that he wants to bless your life. Man, that is so big that you would begin to believe that. Philippians 4.19, you need to receive this promise. God will, everybody say God will, liberally supply, fill to the full every need that you have according to his riches and glory. In fact, Matthew 6, 6 says, or 6, 8 tells us that your father knows what you need even before you ask it. I, I love that principle that God already knows what you need and he wants to give this thing to you. In other words, you don't have to worry about your future because God is already there. I, I wrote my book around Ephesians 2.10. If you want to check out our ministry, my book, go to deadkreed.com or you can find it on Amazon. And, uh, uh, but I wrote it around Ephesians 2.10. He said, we are Christ masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared for us long ago 
Now, now the picture in the Greek there is like when, when kings would come into town, they would uh, prepare the way. They'd fill the potholes and paint everything, make sure everything's good for the king. That's normal. But in the kingdom of God, it, it turns it upside down. And it's not the servants that go ahead of the king. It's the king that goes ahead of the servants. So where God has called you, he's already there, amen? He's already prepared the way. He knows everything that you're going to need, and he's going to supply that need. It was about five years ago, a little over five years ago, that Jeannie and I, we'd been asked to speak at a conference in Los Angeles, and I was pastoring at the time, and, and uh, the, the church was paying me a nice salary, I had a lot of security, I, I know I'm super good looking, so it's hard to tell, but I, I, was, I was 48 at the time, and you can do the math, and, and, uh, and I tell you, you know, most guys at 48, they don't resign a, a secure position, you know, and go do something else, and yet I knew that God was calling me to go back on the road full time, and so we turned that trip into kind of a prayer t- trip, and, and I I went, I went to Los Angeles, and, and uh, I was sitting in a restaurant one afternoon, just in a back booth, and, and God was speaking to me, and, and, and uh, I actually pulled out a napkin. I wish I had saved it. I didn't save the napkin, but, but uh, on the napkin, I wrote down five areas that I felt like God was calling us to, and I won't bore you with them, but they were five major areas and, that God was going to call us to, and he was going to do incredible things, and, and, and being a man of great faith and power, I was kind of excited, but then I started doing the math. Anybody ever do that? God asks you to do something, and you're like, whoa, that's going to be expensive, you know, and, and I kind of added it up, and, I, and between our salary and insurance and all the mission side, I mean, it was going to be like hundreds of thousands of dollars, not for us, but for the ministry, for God to do what he had called us to do. And, and, and I literally was having this thought of like, God, it's just so much. And you're, and you're telling me to walk away from my salary to do it. And, 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 and I, knew, I knew it. I, I've been in this moment many times, but I was struggling with it. And, and the Lord spoke to me in this. And I can tell you, it changed my life. The last five years, we have so held on to this and we've watched God be faithful. It was just in that booth, God spoke to me and he said this. He said, son, it takes what it takes. All of a sudden, you know how the Holy Spirit can say something to you, and it just blows up like a nuclear bomb, man, inside of you. And I could tell, I could just see in my spirit in a millisecond that what God was saying was any needs you have, be it insurance, house payments, ministry stuff, you name it, I got it, amen? It takes what it takes. And we have watched God be faithful to that over the years. You know what the problem with so many of us is? Is we get the source and the resource mixed up. Now, your church has supported us, you know, since you've really been a church. I, I've been here many times speaking. You always, you know, take good care of us, and we love that. But, but I, I don't know. I have kind of a cockiness in my spirit this morning a little bit. I just want you to know, like, thank you very much, but you're not my source. God is my source, amen? You are a good resource, and I appreciate it, but resources don't last forever, but the source does, amen? See, get this in your spirit. Everything outside of God, listen, everything outside of God is just a source, not a resource. God is the source. Everything else is just a resource. I went into uh, uh, like a lumber yard the other day, and I, I needed some lumber, and, and that lumber is a source. The tree is a source, but, or excuse me, a resource, but God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the one. He is the source. Amen? So resources can go up and down, but the source never goes away. 
Your, your job is not your source. Listen, that check that comes every month, it is not your source. God is your source, amen? And, and if you don't have this right, you know what happens? Is you turn the resource into a source, which turns it into an idol. <laughs> Everywhere in scripture where you see idols, you see lack. God has actually promised in Deuteronomy that he will not send rain to the earth any place that he sees an idol. What, what, in, in, in scripture, it was an agricultural economy. He's basically saying, I'm not going to put any money behind anybody or anything that doesn't put me as the source. If you can get this right, I promise you it will change everything about you. Now, I want to show you this in Scripture. It is all over Scripture that there is this provision miracle aspect of our God. And we could look at a hundred stories if we had time, but I just want to show you two of them. One is in 1 Kings 17, and the other one is in John 2. In 1 Kings 17, it is the story of Elijah the prophet and the widow of Zarephath. Now, you have heard of, like, the Bible belt. Zarephath is like the idol-worshiping belt. It, it was everywhere around there. That's where idol worship was. And because of that, like the Scripture promises, there was lack. There was poverty. There was a drought. In fact, there was actually cannibalism happening in this particular spot. I mean, you can't get any more poor than when you start eating other people, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty poor. And they were experiencing this. And, and God said, the prophet right into the middle of this lack, and you find it in 1 Kings 17 4. He tells the prophet, he says, Go to a place called the Kareth Brook, a brook, the brook at Kareth, and I want you to sit down, I want you to drink from that brook, and I'm going to send ravens, everybody say ravens, to feed you. Now, ravens are dirty birds, man. They are carnivorous birds. They're selfish birds. They're opportunistic. I hate the bird. I hate the football team. I don't know why you would ever name a team raven, you know. <laughs> I'm just upset about that today. But what does God do? God takes a bird. He takes, a, a he takes something that doesn't want to be a resource and he turns it into a resource. He actually reverses the natural order of things, and he causes something to bless the prophet that has no intention of blessing the prophet. I want you to receive this today. I believe that God is going to call people to bless you, to bless this church, to bless all of your lives. If you serve him, he will have people bless you that have no intention of blessing you. It'll literally, he'll reverse the order of things just to get you to where, where he wants you to go. Now, now, it must have been cool to sit by the brook and drink from the brook and eat from the birds and all that stuff, but then what happens? Well, the brook dries up. The Bible says that the brook dried up. Now, why do brooks dry up? <laughs> I, I, I like yesterday's brook. <laughs> I, I like it when God provides for me consistently. You know, when the check is coming in the mailbox, I like that, right? But what happens? I've experienced this in 35 years of serving God that he'll provide for me for a while in one way, but all favor is for a season. Often what God will do, listen, when God is ready to do a new thing, he will supply for you in a new way. 
That's what he's doing with Elijah. He's not trying to frustrate him. He's trying to move him away from a resource because he's going to take him to a whole new level. Then one of the greatest stories in all of Scripture happens. He tells Elijah to go to a widow. Widows were not blessed in their culture. They were cursed. So he tells tells him to go to somebody. She's not even a Christian. She's an idol worshiper is what she is. And he tells her, go to this widow And I've commanded her, I've already set it up, I want her to feed you and take care of you. So I had a bird take care of you, now I'm going to have a widow take care of you. So he goes to this widow of Zarephath and he says, hey, give me some bread, give me some food, give me some drink. And here's what the widow says. Now, you can't be much more poor than this. Verse 12, she says, I swear by the Lord, your God, your God, not my God, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. That's poor. I have only a handful of flour in a little jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this meal, and then my son and I are going to die. Wow, that is stinking poor. That's like going to KFC and licking other people's fingers. I mean, that is poor. <laughs> I have never said that out loud, but that just hit, that just hit my head. I, I don't know. That's good, right? Good. I'm, I'm I'm anointed today. All right. So (laughs) ask her. I've never said that out loud ever. (laughs) Oh, man. So, So what does the widow do? She speaks out of her lack. Listen. Listen. Whenever you are experiencing lack, refuse to speak from the lack. Speak to the lack. Amen? When you have lack, God has your back. Amen? So, so I don't speak from my poverty, I speak to my poverty. Because I know that it's not God's will that I walk in that lack, that he's only set me up so that he can do something greater. And the Bible says that the prophet tells the widow, what I want you to do is I want you to feed me, I want you to do this, why? Why? So that, <laughs> so that you will always have enough. This is what the, this is what the prophet says. Now, now, this is so weird because the prophet knows this woman doesn't have anything. She told him as much. But he's a prophet, so he knows her situation. Uh, listen, this is such a, a, a big principle. Listen, often when God is about to do something for you, he will ask something from you. And very often, he will ask in the very area of your need. <laughs> I need some food. Give away your food. <laughs> I need some money. You might need to give an offering right now. I have seen this over and over and over again. It's a biblical principle, by the way. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that those who refresh others, they themselves will be refreshed. Those who uh, are generous, well, they're the ones that are going to prosper. We love Luke 6, don't we? That you give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But what's the first word? you got to give first. Malachi 3, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And what will happen? God will open up the windows of heaven. And he'll pull out a blessing. Every single time, the blessing is conditional by nature. Do this, and then I'm going to do greater things. Man, you do this little thing, and I'm going to do something big. Now listen, I did not come here to preach to you on tithes and offering and giving, especially the Sunday after Easter. But I cannot avoid the subject because it's all throughout Scripture. Did you know that Jesus talked about money more than any other subject? And God will never, ever have your heart fully until he has your money. Why? Because where your money is, this is Jesus speaking, there your heart will be also. 
Isn't it amazing how our God, those of you that have been serving him for a while, can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. God can do more with six days a week than I can do with seven days a week. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Leviticus that we shouldn't plow all the way to the edges, but we should leave some for the poor, poor and the foreigner. It's literally a missions-giving verse all the way in the Old Testament. What, what is God saying? Stop plowing all the way to the edge and then praying. No, no, no. Take some, set it aside, do what I've called you to do, give out of your lack even, and watch what I will do. I will pour out from the winds of heaven a blessing is so great that you can't even contain it. Till you get this area right, I promise you, you will never elevate to the place in your relationship with God that you want to be. God is not asking something from you. He wants something incredible for you. Amen? That is to make him the source and you stop being the resource. Well, listen, uh, in this story, he tells the widow that if you do this, man, you're never going to run out. Your, your jars will always be full. And, and, and God does this provision miracle. And it's an amazing story. Well, well, the other story I want you to look at is in John chapter 2. Now, in John chapter 2, it is the first miracle of Jesus' ministry. And it's an interesting miracle because it's at a wedding. <laughs> I am not a big fan of doing weddings. I'll do your wedding for like $10,000 or something if you, if you want to hire me. But, but uh, I don't know, something about a wedding, man. You can't preach at a wedding. Give me a funeral over a wedding any day, man. You got a dead body, you can preach like crazy in front. You're going to die. There you go. It's a good sermon. But... but uh, He's at a wedding, and, and, and this is the first miracle, and it's really not important to very many people, and yet Jesus does this lavish thing for this couple. Basically, what happens is they run out of wine. Now, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a drinker, so I, I really don't understand this completely, but, but I, in their culture, to run out of wine at a wedding was a big cultural faux pas. I mean, it was dishonorable to the family. It would have cultural repercussions for this family. And yet Jesus decides to do something of lavishness for a couple that it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't life-changing, and yet he does it anyway. You know, one of the things I love about our God is that no problem is too big or too small for him, amen? If it's important to me, then it's important to him. Hmm. So what have you run out of today? I, I, I mean, what is it? Uh, you say, Pastor Doug, I, I just don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. Can, can I tell you, your problem is not too small for the Savior. He loves you. And in fact, he probably has put that issue or allowed that issue to be in your life so that you might cry out to him, that you might trust him. Amen? I, one of the questions we had to cross a few years ago that really exploded the blessing of God in our life was, was simply this. Could I be trusted with God's blessing? I mean, if God all of a sudden gave you more than enough, would you trust him at the level that you trust him right now? Because this is the mentality we have, isn't it? My, my wife used to say to me, uh, she used to say, I just want to have enough money to go to Walmart anytime I want. And I'm like, baby, don't you go to Walmart enough? I mean, I mean it's just, uh, how many times do we got to go to Walmart? Uh, uh, if you're making out a check today, just make it out to Walmart. It's just, they, they get all the money. But, but, but really what she was saying, and, and, it's, and it's, it's generational with her and I, is that in our families we've never had enough. And so if we could just get to the point where we just had enough, you understand what I'm saying? And it's almost like, it's almost like what we're saying is, is I just don't want to have to trust him at the level that I do today 
But you got to get comfortable with this. You got to understand that God wants you to trust Him and that God's vision for your life is always going to be greater than your current provision. Why? Because He wants you to trust Him at a higher level. Now, I love what happens in the story because the Bible says that the mom, Mary, she just goes to Jesus and she tells Him about the problem. She says, Hey, they have no more wine. Now, I was thinking about this the other day, like, what must it have been like for Mary to raise God? <laughs> you know, because that's got to be a situation right there. I mean, I mean how are you going to spank God? You know, how are you going to tell God what to do? You know, I wonder if, like, if she run out of milk, she'd be like, yo, Jesus, I ran out of milk, and he zaps the milk, you know, and kind of, I, I don't know, you know. I, I found this picture on the internet. I thought it was interesting uh, right here. This is uh, Mary and Jesus at bath time. <laughs> you, you can fix all the theology next week, Pastor Gabe, because uh, I don't know if Jesus is like rebellious as a toddler. There's no verses on that. But, but, uh, uh, but, but it's just what must it have been like <laughs> to raise God, you know, and, and, and so what does Jesus, what does Mary do? She just tells Jesus about the problem. And then I love this part of the story, and it, your, your slides are going to be all messed up here. But, but I, I, uh, the Bible says that she, Jesus goes to the, or she takes Jesus to the servants, and, and he just tells the servants, do, do whatever he tells you to do. Well, well that's, a, that's a big principle, amen? How I many you know that any problem can be solved if you just do what God tells you to do? And what does God tell him to do? He says, I want you to go and I want you to get the jars. They were much bigger than this, but this is for a safe example. I want you to get the jars, the jars that are for water, they're for washing. And I want you to fill them up. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill them all the way to the brim. I personally believe if they'd only filled the jars halfway, (laughs) that they wouldn't have got half the wine. I think they would have got no wine. That's what I think. And the Bible says that the servants, that they filled the jars all the way to the brim. (laughs) Listen, if I have a word for you this morning, it's this. I believe that in 2021, that God is telling everybody under the sound of my voice here and online, that God is telling you this. This is a prophetic word for you, that you have to start filling the jars of your obedience all the way to the brim. I love you, and I say this out of a heart of love, but there's a lot of halfway obeyers here this morning. Jesus, I obey you, kind of. <laughs> Lord, I serve you, sort of. You know, I'll give it, well, part of it, you know, to you. You understand what I'm saying? Fill it all the way to the brown. Now, this is a good enough story already, but let me give you one more. There's a story, it's found in uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 13. Uh, uh, 2 Kings, actually, 2 Kings 13. And it's the story of a guy named Jehoash, who is a king. And like many of these kings, he was a wicked king. He was the king of Israel, but he wasn't serving God. And because he wasn't serving God, he was serving foreign idols. There was lack in the land, just like there always is with idol worship. And also there were foreign kings attacking him. In particular, this guy named Aram and the Aramites were attacking Israel. Now, Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha, the guy that followed Elijah, He is about to die. He's the prophet in the land, but he's about to die. This is literally the last thing that he does before he dies. 
and the king is worried. He's worried he's going to get defeated, and he was about to be defeated. So he goes to the prophet, and he says to the prophet, help me out. I'm paraphrasing, but I need to know what to do. And so the prophet tells him to do something. I mean, you know, often when God is asking you to do something, it will do something that he'll ask you to do something that doesn't make any sense, right? We need wine, not water, right? We, we don't need to fill jars with water. We need to fill jars with wine. Well, the prophet, he tells the king, he says, I want you to go and get a bow and an arrow. And I want you to shoot it out in the field. And while the arrow is in the air, I want you to yell out, this is the arrow of the Lord's victory. <laughs> now, I need to shoot King Aram. I don't need to shoot a field. I need to shoot an army, not a field. But he obeys anyway. And here's what I think it was like. And I'll prove it to you in a minute. I think the king shot the arrow. And while it was in the air, he, he wasn't real... <laughs> He wasn't real aggressive with his obedience. I, I think he yelled out something like, this is the arrow of the Lord's victory. <laughs> My voice is going, so it's easy for me to do that. This is the arrow of the Lord's victory. And the reason why I think the prophet wasn't happy with it was he asked the king to do something else. He said, all right, you did that. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a bunch of arrows, and I want you to beat the ground with them. Now, I want you to note something. He doesn't tell the king how many times to hit it, and he doesn't tell him how hard. But, listen, God expects aggressiveness out of your obedience no matter what. Here's what I think it was like. The king was like, all right, I'll do it. Are we good? You know, I shot the dumb arrow, I yelled the dumb thing, now I hit it on the ground. And the prophet is so mad, the prophet that's about to die, that here's what he says. He says, hey, you only hit the ground two or three times. I think if you really were there, it would be something like you barely even hit it, buddy. You weren't even excited about it. That's what I think he's really saying. But you hit the ground two or three times. If you had hit the ground five or six times, you would have had full victory. But because you only hit it two or three, you're only going to get partial victory. Now listen, I may not be the smartest person in this room. I might not be more gifted or more talented. I may not have as many connections as you. But I, I, I might not even work as hard as you. But I can promise you one game you will not beat me in today. And that is the game of obedience. When God tells me to do something, you want the secret to my ministry? You want the secret to our success? Here it is. When God tells me to do something, I do it. And I do it to the fullest. If I have a gift, it is jumping off the cliff and figuring it out on the way down. I will, I will jump and then say, now, what's next? <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. And anybody who's hung out with me very long knows it's true. I will do it. In other words, when God tells me to do something, baby, I do it. I beat it to the full. I fill those jars all the way up. Amen. I will do it until the arrows break. Why? Because full obedience always means full blessing, but partial obedience well, it means partial, or I'll even say sometimes no blessing. The Bible says that Jesus turns the water into wine, and it's the best wine ever. And most people, they save, they save the best wine or serve it first. They do the bad stuff after everybody's drunk. But not this guy, man. He, he serves the best, and, the, and a moment of great embarrassment is turned into a moment of great honor. Now, Pastor Doug, what does this all mean for me? I mean, a widow that can't feed her son and another guy runs out of wine. What does this mean for me? Well, I think it means three things. I think, one, 
It means that, I thought I had it memorized. One, it means that when you run out, you have to run to Jesus. Let me say it again. When you run out, who do you run to? See, the problem is we run to everything else, and then we run to Jesus. Listen, my creativity is not my source. God is my source. My ability to preach is not my source. God is my source. My book is not my source. God is my source. My connections are not my source. God is my source. Amen. I'm I, so thankful for our partner churches that support us monthly, but I got news for every one of them. We love them, but they are not my source. God is my source. So who should I run to first? I should run to the source first. Amen. Number two, it's so simple. But when God tells you to do something, do it. Do it all the way, baby. Underthink it and just do it. Why? Because if you think about it, you probably won't do it. <laughs> right? Just do it. Partial obedience is disobedience. Man, uh, delayed obedience, that's disobedience. Just do it. Stop trying to understand it and just do it. And God will bless you for it. And then the last thing is this. Take your ordinary and give it to God. Why? Because he wants to make it extraordinary. Say, Pastor Doug, man, all I got is like simple, ordinary stuff. Well, all they had was one of the simplest compounds on earth, H2O. (laughs) Sometime in your spare time, you should look up the difference between H2O and wine. Wine is a super complicated chemical compound. And I, again, I'm not a drinker, so it all seems gross to me, but if you are, you probably know this, and, 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 and you know that the best wine well, the best wine takes time. I, I, again, I don't know it personally, but I have heard that the best wine can take decades to develop. Here's, here's the word I speak over you today. Those of you that are watching online, you receive this today. Listen, because of your obedience, God is going to do for you in a second what it would take other people decades to do. I, 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 don't, have a, I don't have some connected background. My dad wasn't a famous preacher or anything like that. I was the first Christian in my family. My dad was a welder in a mill. My mom was a bank teller. I don't come from some special important place. But guess what? I have watched God do in my life what it took other people lifetimes to do. Why? Because when you obey him, he takes the ordinary and he skips time and he turns it into the extraordinary. I believe that the best days are not just ahead, but they are about to happen quickly for those who will obey. Now, I want you to stand to your feet all throughout the church today. And and I've completely lost track, but it's 1208 and, uh, Baptists are already at the restaurants right now. So you're messed up already. So we might as well just let the crowd clear out and, you know, kind of thing. So um, I have been promised free food, though, so I got to finish. Uh, Listen, uh, this jar is empty. I I don't know about you, but I hate empty jars. (laughs) I want all my jars full. I, I have this weird thing. We got like flour and sugar and oil and stuff like that on the counter. Anybody have that at home? And I don't know. And maybe it's just because I'm OCD, but, but I, I like them full. I, I do. I just, I can't stand it when there's just a little. I, I want there to be a lot. I want to walk around and go, that's right. There's abundance here, baby. Right? I want it full. 
we still, Jeannie and I became empty nesters. Man, things are hot right now, I'm telling you, at our house. <laughs> I embarrass her so bad when I say that. But it's just her and I, so I mean. <laughs> the, uh, I was saying stuff, I, I, I gotta stop. But, but the, the uh, we, we still haven't figured out how to cook for two people, man. When we cook, it's like the 20 people could eat, you know? It's just, I like abundance. I, I don't like empty jars, but I got news for you. God loves empty jars. Why? Because it gives him something to fill. Listen, when Gabe and Amanda started the church, it was like this. They had jars full of money and jars full of people. And so they just started, they said, we better start a church. That's how, that's how it worked, wasn't it? That's not how it worked. I'll bet you, <laughs> and I wasn't even, we weren't, we weren't even part of it at this point. I bet you all the jars were empty. Because that's the way it is, isn't it? If your dream is so small that you can write a check for it, then it's not for God, right? When I sat in that restaurant that day and I wrote out those five points, all five jars were empty. I was like, I don't have that. I don't know people to do that. Nobody's going to want to do that. God, that's way too expensive. I can't do that. And that one, I don't even know what you're thinking. That's what it was like. You said, oh, it was so much faith. No, that's what it was like. And then God said, I like all those jars empty. Why? Because I'm your source. You watch, son. I'm going to fill them up. And we have watched him do it. I'm telling you, you, I won't tell you what it was, but point number four, when I wrote it down, I literally laughed out loud. Jars number four. I literally said out loud, I said, nobody will do that. And I've had seven churches or something like that do it now. Five of them officially, but several unofficially. It's what I call partner churches. Uh, what church would pay somebody to come teach regularly, even though they don't live in their community? And we've, I mean, we're getting to the point where we can't take on anymore because it's just God loves to fill empty jars. Amen? So he wants to do it for you. How many of you would admit, I need some correction in this area, Pastor Doug? I got it. I got, man, I got some source resource issues that I got to get straight. Amen. Anybody out there that would say, I might need to actually look at my relationship with God fresh and new today. If you're watching online or you're here and you say, I, I don't know how to get to this place where I trust God on that level. Well, you know where it begins? It begins at the foot of the cross. Guess what? At the foot of the cross for your salvation, I promise you your jar is empty. Nobody can save themselves. So if you trust him for your soul, why would you not trust him for your money? Amen? You trust him for your salvation, why would you not trust him with your business? He loves you. He wants to be your source. Amen? Come on, let's pray this. Let's pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness for the misbalance in my life. I'm not my source you are. I declare today that you're my source. Be my salvation. Be my light. Be my provider. In Jesus' name.